Okay, give me just a second here. And, um, okay, I'm gonna send this to the printer real quick. Again, I apologize for doing this on your time. No, that's and okay. Whoops, and apparently my Wi Fi is not on. It is now. And back here. And printer. It found it. Thank God. <laughs> this, this, this will be a great intro, Brenton. Just the. Yeah. All right. So here's the Wi Fi, the printer. Yeah. Well, since. Since our last uh, conversation, I am about three quarters of the way through Safe People. I thought you were going to save uh, this for the interview. Now you're just dropping all the good. I hit record a long time ago, so. I know, but still, I have to edit it. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have your permission to use that? <laughs> you can use it all. <laughs> all right, I am ready to go when mm. you are, so. You guys ready? Welcome back to the Ministry Without Hating It podcast, a ministry of Odyssey Haven Coaching and Counseling dedicated to the pursuit of answering the question, is it possible to do ministry without hating it? We have a theory that it just might be. I am Chad Garrison. I'm here with Brenton. What's up, Brenton? Hello. Today, we are also joined again with our friend, Pastor Robbie Booth. Hello, Robbie. Hey, greetings, everybody. So, Robbie, we recorded an episode with you recently, somewhat recently anyways, that was really great. And almost immediately after we were done, all three of us were like, oh, we should have talked about this or we could have asked more about this. And and so we were going back and forth texting and uh, going, you know, hey, what if we did like a, an extended cut type shop top type conversation interview uh, to talk a little bit more about leaders and specifically about relationships. And so that's what we're going to do here on this episode. But Robbie, before I start, uh, you mentioned in your last interview, one of your little known facts about you is racing cars, that you race cars. <laughs> I and, do. And I was so dedicated to the LA freeway bit. I realized this after the that uh, I didn't even ask you what it is that you race. So what do you oh. race? Well, it's a, a little bit of a piece of junk compared to some other people's race cars, but it's a red Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Okay. It's all track. So we've, you know, it, yeah. it has real sticky tires. It's got a big wild wing on the back. So at speed, it's keeping the rear end down. It's not floating around. Wow. And, and it's all got fire extinguisher system, you know, to extinguish fires inside and fire suppression and got a breakaway steering wheel and race harness etc so that sounds that sounds legitimate to me i don't know but <laughs> i don't know a lot about racing obviously but that sounds legit do you have many fires inside never had one thank god good except yeah. for the one coming behind you because you're so fast yeah. <laughs> there we go well <laughs> it's interesting from driving for a while and also the rest of the driving crew that we go out with, which are almost all pastors and youth pastors. Of course. <laughs> uh, and there's five of us that drive. And it, what's interesting is when you've driven on a race course for a while um, and there's some newbie out there. And anyway, sorry, Siri was interrupting She's us. She's interested too. Yeah, she heard racing and thought it'd be fun. But what's interesting is sometimes <laughs> a new guy will be out there and he'll be a faster car, but he doesn't have the strategy to pass. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're not supposed to bump other cars. Um, but if there's somebody cutting me off in a corner and they're presuming I'm going to hit my brakes, we just give them a little love tap, our <laughs> fender to theirs, and and then it scares them enough to think, okay, not with the old man. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll be curious to see how that ties into relational conflict here in just a second. <laughs> I was just going to, is that a life strategy as well? Uh, it might be. It might be. <laughs> in my field, we call it systemic. It might That's be right. systemic. Uh, yeah. Don't mess with the old man. You're going to get the love tap. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's your title. That's right. Maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned in our our last time together that uh, a lot of our problems uh, begin individual with individual problems, um, and I, we we just briefly touched on it. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? The barriers and challenges that uh, might cause individuals to experience 
uh, resistance to change in, in those areas? Yeah. So, um, you know, I see a lot of married couples that are coming in and some of them are coming in with the recognition uh, that they need to grow individually, but some of them have some marital problems that they just cannot get a handle on. And, and, and sometimes they've gone to counselors, by the way, there's a lot of good counselors out there. Um, by the way, there's some good non-Christian counselors. I like good Christian counselors. Um, but there's also some in both fields that don't know what they're talking about. They'll deal with things dynamically, which what I would mean by that is, let's say, the husband's defensive all the time and the wife has to be in control. Uh, now I'm just bringing random issues up. There's thousands of them. but uh, And it's genderless, even though I just assigned those to gender. But, you know, there is some type, there are some type of counselors that then will deal with that and say, you know, oh, you need to be nicer and not use those words because can you tell it sets her off and, and ma'am, you need to be a little more trusting. Well, what do you do if they have already tried that? In other words, they know what's right, but they can't do what's right. There's something blocking. And that can be an individual coming in or a married couple, but we're talking about marriage relationships right now. Uh, and, and so it, it, you know, and, and I have people come in, they've given up hope that there'll be change and, uh, and they're, you know, I mean, I've even had somebody come in, you know, Christian leader who said, we've already filed for divorce. We're going to get a divorce. So we don't want to waste your time. We probably need to leave, but we had the respect to come and say goodbye. And I said, well, if you're going to get a divorce anyway, um, you're going to see one another at your kids' birthday parties and things like that. I said, why don't you stay and go through the process for two days to where at least you can get along better when you see one another? Mm. And all right, we'll give it a try. Well, that couple end up they're happily married today. Oh well. And and thank God they didn't need to get a divorce because they usually, by the way, carry their problem to the next relationship and the next relationship. And maybe after about seven divorces and remarriages, they finally understand, uh, maybe I need to grow in something that I'm doing. And some people, because of their defensiveness, never get it. So when they come in, um, and there is kind of a standard way that I let people talk at first, which would be typical counseling. In other words, tell me what you guys are going through. Give me a little history of your life. And what I'm already looking for are belief systems. You know, belief system can be um, uh, they don't listen. People don't listen to me. I'm always wrong. I have to be perfect to be accepted. I mean, the list goes on. In fact, I have a checklist of about five pages that I let people go through in that. But what they begin to understand as we go through a threefold process is that they, be, they begin to understand that what they believe about themselves, what they believe about others, how they keep themselves safe in life is carried over from their childhood. Hmm. The worth that they give to others, sometimes an into a type of person, whether it's an ethnic issue, whether it's a gender issue, whether it's an age issue, um, you know, and alls are what they don't realize is alls are trying to do is keep themselves safe from getting hurt again, and so the key is to help them identify the hidden belief systems, and as they identify those hidden belief systems, uh, then they look at the consequence of those hidden belief systems, and what they begin to realize is, you know what, um, boy, I'm I'm fighting with my spouse all the time, but you know, reality is maybe it's about them, not about me. Let me give you a quick example. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's say, and I, I'll call them Jeff and Jane. And all they know when they come in is they love one another and they love the Lord, but they don't get along. They cannot resolve conflict because we're going to talk about conflicts, I think, in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And all they know is they can't resolve conflicts. So I have them give me an example. And, you know, Jeff will say, well, why, why I'm sitting at the table and we're just talking and maybe even playing a game with the kids. Um, I see that my glass uh, sitting on the table has been sweating. And so I wipe it up. 
But she comes over a few minutes later and with a towel and does the same thing as, and he'll say, she doesn't think I'm good enough. She doesn't think that I did a good enough job. And, and so she comes and wipes it up. Well, notice the implication. His belief system is he's not good enough. So he has, is now implying that the reason she's coming over and doing it a second time is that he didn't do it good enough and she does it perfectly. Well, then after a while, you get to exploring her belief systems and you find out in her being raised that her mother, that you could never please her and to ever potentially please her and keep her from being hostile because she had her own hostility issues and blame was she had to constantly clean up after herself and other people or there would be uh, difficulty to pay. And so, it, and her mother, by the way, she even told me her mother to this day, when she comes over to their house, will almost do like a white glove smack, you know, rubbing her finger along a table or something to see if it's clean enough. So her way of avoiding painful criticism was everything had to be perfect. And it was her job to keep it perfect. Well, when he realized that, he then realized that this isn't about him and him not being good enough. This is about her trying to stay safe because even though her mom's been out of their life for a short while, uh, that way that she had to do life to stay safe was still real. Um, and, and it, you know, that, that didn't heal them. It gave them empathy for one another and it helped lower the negative implications they were making. We took them through a healing process as we finished the three steps. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke, thought, and reasoned as a child. Now that I'm a man, in other words, now that I'm a grown-up, I put away those childish ways. Well, there are ways that we find ourselves being safe or figuring out my worth or the worth of another or making life work that work as a child. But in our adult years, it's causing distress on relationships. And, and so it, it's that process. You know, it's, it's the difference between uh, individual problem and a couple problem. You know, the couple is having problems because of their individual soul and how it's uh, and what it believes. And often those beliefs are very contrary to what Jesus has to say. So I have a question to roll into that. Um, this, this podcast mostly goes out to leaders uh, and, and people who are in some type of leadership role or wanting to be in leadership roles. And so um, in that, as we're sharing, we know this information, how do we help individuals recognize that inside of themselves, those, uh, those things inside of themselves, or, or do we just say, Hey, you know what? We know a really cool guy named Robbie. You should go see him. He'll, he'll help you unpack this. Of course. I think the two of you are set for helping people like this, but, um, you know, I often give people homework, uh, or they come and see me and I recommend like, let's say one of you were seeing someone that was in distress Commonly, my homework will include books like Changes That Heal from Henry Cloud or Save People, which I think we mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. As people read through that, they begin to get a concept of hurts, then what they do for safety, and then what the road out of that is. So they begin to get a little bit of a taste for it. It's then learning to listen to people and realize, especially if you're dealing with a couple, maybe it isn't about what she's blaming him for and what he's blaming her for, so that he said, she said. Maybe it's listening past that to try and hear what their belief systems are about themselves and about life. You know, if a person, let's say they're married because they're lonely and they found this really cute person to marry and they're in love with them and they marry them and yet then they keep distance from them. 
Well, then you get together and find out they don't trust anybody because of being severely ripped off. Well, eventually we can move past that. You know, we love, 1 John 4, 4 says we love because he first loved us. I don't know that an intellectual quoting of scripture is enough to heal that person. Mm -hmm. But if I can share that truth, but help them look at the lie, or you can help them look at the lie, and then get them alone with Jesus and and to in that relationship that they have with the Lord, let him speak to them. Can I go a little further with that, Brenton? Mm-hmm, please. So accidents, terrible accidents happen to people. And you know, I uh, and I share this with permission, but uh, I had a friend uh, that uh, they were on their way home uh, from work one day, and a transient a person living on the street, unhoused, um, that was loaded, stepped out in front of the street on a very dark road, and they hit and killed him. And they were really having problems getting past the grief. And initially, we would think. Well, of course they do, because they value life. They value the Lord. They give themselves over into adding to people's lives, not taking away. And so to accidentally take someone's life would be horrible. But I was noticing with this friend that it was a bigger deal than that. They, they were not moving past it and having lots of nightmares and things of that nature. So I just sat down with them. You know, we just talking as two friends and and they were sharing their grief and I said what did you think of yourself after you after you uh, hit that person in other words I know you grieved over that person and and I by the way when it comes to trauma and that is a traumatic situation I let them tell me every detail I don't let them skirt over it I so if they I, I actually take them back to that situation I don't mean in a weird way, I just mean in their memory, what happened, how fast were you driving, what street were you on, what time of day was it on? And then uh, as we're talking, I might even say, you know, which side of the road did they come from? And But after you hit them, what what happened then? What did you see? You know, and, and all the while, again, I'm looking for police systems. So they told me the story, and again, they still weren't getting past it. And I said, what did you what were your thoughts about yourself? And, oh, they, you know, they cried and uh, they said, you know what, I didn't know that God could love me. In fact, I wondered if I was even going to go to heaven because I murdered someone. Hmm. And, uh, and I said, well, I realized they did see it as that. So I helped them identify just by listening to them. Uh, I didn't keep cutting them off every time, but I helped them identify about five different issues, you know, which would be uh, God couldn't love me anymore. Um, He's holding this against me for all eternity. I'm disqualified from the ministry that I'm involved in. Um, And I murdered that person. And then we talked a little bit. And and I said, um, do you know, biblically, there's a difference between murder and killing? Um, you know, where murder is an intent to take someone's life in a way that's non-protective, whereas killing can be an accidental killing. It can be a soldier going to war, protecting his family, his state, his nation, etc. Um, you know, and I mean, in Israel, you know, look in the Old Testament, you see a lot of people worked as soldiers to protect their country, you know, and, and it was seen as honorable and seen as godly. Uh, Anyway, and so I said, there's a difference between murder and killing. And uh, so which one would this be in the category? And they said, oh, this, when you say that, it's it's a killing. You know, okay. So I then said, listen, I want you to take these five things. I want you to get along with Jesus. And I want you to let him speak into each one of these situations and have him tell you his heart on each one of them. When I got back together with him, he was whole. Hmm. You know, now he's still hurt over, he wasn't speeding even, you know, but he's still hurt and normally grieved over that loss of life. 
but he was no longer traumatized by it, where it was just unable to get past. Does that help? For sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really great, Rob, because it's something that, uh, you know, I feel like I've said even to my children, even recently, of, you know, what's what's the purpose of self-awareness? We know these things about us and, and revealing those things, and why God would even reveal those things to us. Is it to beat us up and to put us in our place, or is it to be able to acknowledge it and to speak the truth to the lies, like you've said, but also to be able to grow from it and move forward? You know, and I, and I think even, you know, you working with, you know, with our family and our own trauma that we've had within the last uh, couple of years and, and how we walked through, that's exactly, I can look back now and like, I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of, oh yes, you helped me unearth those things that I didn't even know were there, but that we were affecting, you know, uh, the way that I interacted and, and even relationally, you know, how, how that would spill into the family and marriage, that kind of thing. It's really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's important to get past stuff, and especially traumatic stuff. And it's often the implications, the beliefs. Yeah. The belief is something that we live by. It's an activity. And uh, to be able to get past those beliefs. That's good. That's really good. I want to, uh, I want to, and I, we're going to tie these two together here in just a second. But we wanna, one, of, one of the things we talked about um, in the follow-up kind of conversation um, was that of resolving conflict. In fact, uh, in the 10 steps you gave us towards relational intentionality in the last interview, you actually, that was the very last one. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. This is your top 10. But that was the last thing. It said resolve conflict and um, specifically in a healthy manner is what you had mentioned. And so let's unpack that if you wouldn't mind for just a minute. When you say resolving conflict in a healthy manner, what does that mean? Well, some people might see resolving conflict as ending a conversation and moving past it. The problem with that is a person can accumulate offense in a relationship. And if there's not understanding had in that relationship, a person can feel can begin to disconnect from that other person. Now, this can be a disconnect in a youth group. It can be a disconnect in a marriage. It can be a disconnect in a, a relationship at church, uh, a friendship where there's offense. Um, and, you know, some people would say, oh, you want to hear I'm sorry? Well, I'm sorry. But what they're really saying is shut up and get past it. <laughs> uh, you know, and so there's certainly a number of unhealthy ways of resolving. Let me go a little further with that. Do you mind? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I mean, most of us know how to get a person to shut up on something. You know, <laughs> do do you we? Know, even if it's us. Just start uh, talking politics. There you go. Or that's the go. opposite effect, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to derail you. How do you get a person yeah. how you, <laughs> to stop that speaking, was, Brenton? That was funny right there. <laughs> oh, that was good. That's yeah. good. Mm. But um, there's a lot of unhealthy ways. Brenton brought up yet another one, <laughs> uh, which, which I would call changing the subject. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, or or I, I suppose I could try and resolve things by blaming them. Um, I suppose I could resolve that conflict by trying to convince them it was no big deal and they shouldn't have been offended. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I suppose that I could... Um, you know, try resolving it by rationalizing that what I really meant was something good. But that person's going to feel nothing but fog. I mean, people can tell. People yeah. are smarter than sometimes what they let on to be. <laughs> <laughs> so then, kind of drawing back to that, that previous thought of the, the individual change, um, and specifically when it comes to resolving conflict in a healthy manner, re regardless of relationship, um, we, we can talk, you know, familial marriage if you'd like, but then you also expanded it just now to, to ministry, which is great as well. What are some things then that people really need to maybe, gosh, keep, I would say, you know, keep at the forefront, you know, because there's also what you don't know, but at the same time, let's say what you do know, what, what should you keep in mind as you walk into these relational conflicts and resolving these things in, in what you'd say is a healthy manner? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about um, 
things that would help resolve a relationship. And some of them will sound uh, pretty basic, which they are, but they need to become more common in our life. Uh, because stay around me long enough, I will offend you. And if I'm around you long enough, I'll be offended. But will we resolve it hmm. and, and, and gain a friend by learning to talk in a way that lets you know that I really value you? And even though we had some little bump in the road, you know, that we want to resolve it. And, you know, Chad and Britton, marriage is like that. Um, I am, I've been married 40, almost 46 years in November then. And uh, I've offended my wife hundreds of times. And she's offended me much less. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. Is that safe or why? <laughs> you know, right. that was typically the case. I good. never know where this is going. That's you know? good. <laughs> but, but um, so the need is, if, if we don't want to keep just cutting people off, which, by the way, can include church. It can include a church council meeting. And it can include, uh, you know, a, a youth council. Uh, you know, if I, if I want there to be a gaining of depth of relationship and number of relationships and influence, I need to be a resolver. Um, if I want to just keep running from the stuff, uh, I'm I'm gonna cause other people to have unresolved stuff towards me, and and maybe me towards them. You know? So let me go, you want me to cover a few of them? Absolutely, cover yeah, as many so as you'd like. I was thinking first of all, we need to gain their permission in having a talk time uh, on whatever it is you know to talk about whatever the it is, mm-hmm. um, and and now in marriage. Um, I cannot tell you how many people are married to a person that one of them wants to talk about it now and the other person never wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, that's more common than you realize. And sometimes it's common because it's just scary to people. The person that has to talk about it right now is scared that if they let the resolve sit around for 20 minutes, that person's going to leave them. They're fearful of abandonment and aloneness and rejection. The person that never wants to talk about it is probably deep inside pretty convinced that if they do talk about it, it's not going to end well. So if you want to start with a on a positive note, gain their permission to talk about it. And, and whether you're the person that never wants to talk about it or always wants to talk about it, um, then, uh, you know, get their permission and at a good time and talk about it. And in fact, let's make that another point, And that is select a good time. Um, you know, some, some of you guys and gals listen to this have a very full schedule. You got a lot of time restraints, you got a lot of distractions. Maybe you got three little kids running around and yet you're just needing to talk about something with your spouse to, mm-hmm. you know, and, but get rid of the interruptions you know you can get rid of. You know, turn the TV off, get off your cell phone. Um, you know, don't take incoming calls while you're talking about something sensitive. Let that person know that they are just really stinking important to you. And 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 so you know, like if you have kids, wait till the kids go to bed to have that conversation if they're going to interrupt or. If you've taught your kids to not interrupt dad and mom, go ahead and have the conversation. But, you know, you're just trying to select a time which is a good time that has the least amount of distractions, the least amount of tensions. You know, I mean, maybe when your spouse just got home from work isn't the best time. Maybe they have to go to the bathroom (laughs) or something or maybe they're hangry and they need to eat. Well, put them in a good mood, you know. Feed them a cookie, you know, whatever. Well, well, if I can pause you for a second, because you know, maybe asking for a friend. What if you're, what if you're one of those people that's kind of somewhere in between? Once again, asking for a friend, and that, uh, <laughs> that, um, like, you want to have the conversation, but maybe not right away, because you need to just take a step back and go, like, that's that's okay too, right? If uh-huh. we're if we're still picking a good time later, I'm asking for yeah. a friend. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you to be able to tell your friend. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll let him know. Thank you. I mean, yeah. Him. I mean, I didn't 
You know what I mean? Keep going. <laughs> so what I recommend is if you need, if that person needs to talk about it right then and your friend needs some calm down time, um, that other person needs to learn to give them calm down time. Now, how one can structure that and let that person know it's going to be talked about is not say, we'll talk about it sometime soon, but instead say, listen, let's get the kids to bed. Um, you know, let's, you know, be done with your TV program that you're addicted to. I'm kidding, you know, but, um, you know, and let's sit down over a cup of tea and enjoy one another and talk through this and find some solution. Yeah. So yeah. it's trying to determine, you know, uh, and now by the way, I remember a time when I was just so tired and I was really cranky and I wanted to blame somebody. And I actually felt like the Lord himself said, just go to bed, Robbie. Don't, <laughs> don't blame anybody. Keep your mouth shut and go to bed. And I woke up feeling absolutely fine the next day because I was just tired and cranky. But uh, it wasn't something that needed resolving. The resolve was I needed sleep. Uh, okay. But when something needs to be talked about, respect that that other person needs to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be talked about that minute. You can find a good time, but reassure that person that you mean it when you define that time, whether it's in, you know, give me a half hour, I need to take a shower first or, you know, whatever, even if that's your excuse for calming down. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's really good. And I, I'll, I'll tell my friend, uh, it's me, by the way, that's fine. <laughs> but that, um, well, and I think the thing that I have, because on the flip side of that, it's really interesting. I also, because of the relational value I put on, the emphasis I put on relationships, especially close ones, um, you know, it does bother me when it is unresolved. So I don't let that, that's not usually a very long period. It's something that, you know, I'm going to come back around to, but knowing that, yeah, sometimes I do need that space to be able to process for a minute and say, yeah. we will come back to this. Uh-huh. Yeah. With a, with a, a distinct time right. that's then honored mm -hmm. where you set pattern of that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Let me go a little further. And, uh, you know, the, the, I think it's important, especially if people, you know, because most of us have a little bit of insecurity or a lot of insecurity, and sometimes it can't be seen. And sometimes our other person, whether it's our spouse or somebody we're working a problem out at church or whatever, we're, we're presuming that they don't deal with insecurity. And that can really be a problem. So I, and again, we're talking about maybe you're the most secure person on the earth. It's still important to affirm the individual, let them know how important they are to you and, and, and the value that you have of your relationship with them. Hmm. So Chad, let's say you and I had something to work out. I'd tell you, and by the way, you know, I think the world of you anyway. Well, but I'd be, I'd be telling you, Chad, yeah. you know, you're the cream of the crop to me, but I highly value my friendship with you. I have something to talk about with you. And I just want you to know there's not going to be any bite in it, um, you know, because I'm just trying to resolve something and I'm asking you to help me. I'm not like the God's given expert on it. Uh, so I might say wrong things. Maybe you will, too. But help me get past this, help me resolve this issue. That's good. You know, so, so by mm -hmm. that, I've affirmed you. And then in there, uh, make your goals clear, you know, where that, that person would know, and let's say it's again, me and you, Chad, you know, that I would say, Chad, I want you to know by the end of this conversation of what we're at, whatever we're gonna, whatever we need to talk about, I want you to know that I am safe for you to be around. I'm not going to be biting at you and accusing you. And, and also, um, I want us to have a better friendship by the end of our relationship. Or, you know, if we're talking about husbands and wives, you know, where we assure our spouse, listen, I just want to love you more. And I want you to know I, that, that I do love you. And, and that we're, we can safely talk through things, and we're going to prove it by the way we talk. You know, mm -hmm. Brenton, were you about to say something? Oh, I was just going to mention that that one of the things my wife and I do is we have a standing Sunday night date 
that we play old people cribbage. Uh, and, That's awesome. Do you have, and, you have croquet uh, as well? Do you, do you uh, yeah, bat the balls yeah. around? It's that. That's in the garage. We put that up a long time ago. I'm sorry. But we have the uh, standing date where we play cribbage, and it's it's more mindless at this point. And the whole point of it is is to connect with one another and have conversation. And sometimes it's there's nothing that needs talked about that, that's pressing. We're just connecting with each other. Uh, and other times that there's heavier issues or there's calendar things that we need to just get on the same page. But it's every Sunday evening we put the kids to bed and we spend an hour to two hours just talking with each other. And um, that has been very helpful for us just to have those conversations that we know they're they're set every week. They're coming. Um, that is, so and so good. we can so anticipate practical. them. Yeah, that is yeah. so good and so practical. You know, let me note something dynamically about what you just said, and that is the. Um, sometimes there are people that only see having a meaningful conversation as being problem centered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to train your spouse or train your friend. If you're saying, Hey, let's get together and talk that it's always going to be something that is heavy and, yep. and, and that has to be worked out with them. It's nice yeah. to get together with our spouse and have meaningful conversations that have nothing to do with problems between us. Yep. Right. Yeah, and that's actually, I mean, Brent, I'm glad you brought that up because that's also something, uh, having gone through some of these intensives with Robbie that, you know, helped us implement years ago of being able to be intentional, even if it's just 15 minutes in the you know, the end of each day or something like that, where we're, we're yeah. just having that, uh, you know, you know, almost heart check, but also even if it's just, hey, what's going on? How you doing? How can I, how's the day? Where you at that type yeah. of stuff? It's it's almost preemptive when it comes to some of these other being able to mm-hmm. walk through the conflict resolution. That's good. It really does. Yeah. So so when you're making your goals clear, uh, you know, and of course you even as you're approaching that conversation to resolve something with that person, you want to be you want to be checking your motives a little bit. Um, in other words, what am I really after? Oh yeah. Do I want to punish them for how they how they were, or am I trying to resolve something? You know that kind of thing. Anyway, let me get on with another couple aspects of good sure. resolve. Um, listening, um, I I would almost clicheish say God gave us two ears and one mouth. Maybe we ought to live accordingly. Uh, but uh, listening is for many, for most, maybe even it's a goal it's the destination it's the solution um you listen to hear to understand them most people that escalate in their trying to resolve something where things are starting to get a little bit tenser it's they could reduce the escalation by merely stopping and deciding you know what i'm gonna listen first i'm not gonna cut them off I'm going to listen to hear them. I want to understand them. And and then, you know, they'll respect you and then you being able to share yours with them. But don't make their time short, just like you hope they don't make your time short. You listen. So if you're asking a question to truly try and understand, you're not interrogating them. You're genuinely asking questions that are not putting them on the spot. Yeah. And not listen, and not listening to respond either. That's the man. In fact, if you're if you're listening to respond, you're usually not able to hear them real well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's and then and then when you speak, boy, you know we we just can't take words back. They they can't be ran under the bridge again. You know, water under the bridge is what I'm kind of thinking of. So we speak in a way that adds life. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Um, I know how to use my words to throw in a grenade in the conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, boy, you can't take that grenade back out of the conversation uh, once it's been lobbed in. Uh, You know, so just, you know, speak in a way that you, you might even be thinking while you're talking, how would it be to be them listening to me in how I'm talking to them, you know, do, am I a, 
am I a life-giving person in the way that I'm talking to them or am I just kind of throwing up all over them and there's going to be some cleanup that's going to be that's going to be needed you know and and in that speaking adding life um, don't add multiple issues in there mm. you know yeah. uh, I, I call it ping pong you know where you know you'd bring up an issue and and I might half address it and then bring up an, another issue well I have this against you you know okay um, let's say that happens. How about slowing the conversation down and just saying, listen, you brought up something that we need to talk about, but let's talk about this one issue first. And I promise you we'll talk about that second. Or if you want to talk about yours first, let's talk about yours first. But we're going to come back and talk about the one that brought us to the table. You know, I do recommend not to load things with many conversations. I want to give an example, and it's probably a little bit silly, but most of us know what a Pez dispenser is. Mm-hmm. You've got Mickey Mouse on the top, and you pull his head back, and he's got one piece of candy showing. Delicious. Yeah, and so you pull, the, <laughs> you pull that obnoxious Pez off, and you eat the candy, mm-hmm. You know, not knowing how many more are there. Well, I have never, Chad and Brenton, I have never had the Lord dump on me like 20 different issues when when he's w- working with me, I, I don't want to call him the god of Pez, but <laughs> he brings up one issue, and yeah. or maybe two, because why? He doesn't want me to hide my face from him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want me to feel so overloaded or overwhelmed that I can't deal with any of it. He But he acts to me like it's the only thing we have to deal with, even though I figured out after all the years I've been serving him <laughs> that... There's a whole bunch of issues I have. You know, well, it's the same between us in a relationship with somebody else. We can deal with one or two, but maritally, if you start dumping on your spouse, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten different things, they're not even going to, they're going to be exasperated by it, not even know that they can deal with any of them. So how about dealing Mm -hmm. with one or dealing with two and finding solution? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Let me go a little further. How about that? Yeah. Um, you know, seeking to understand where they're coming from um, and giving them time to share regarding that issue. You know, so it's, you know, it's, you know, it's learning to not interrupt. It's letting them finish their thoughts. It's trying to not be in a hurry. Uh, it's seeking to understand. It's working on palatable, uh, palatable uh, non-escalating communication you know, trying to capture their heart in all of it and uh, learning to s- let them speak without you and me being defensive, you know, but having clarity. Um, you know, being flexible to try and find a solution, um, you know, where I need to give a little bit, they need to give a little bit, you know, in that. Um, you know, if it's somebody at church that, you know, because sometimes we hate ministry because we've got this accumulated group of people that we haven't resolved with. And sometimes um, I need to learn to tell them yes on something, even though I have a no with it, but yes might be the qualifiers of it at a later time, you know, um, you know, for whatever their good idea might be. Um, staying on track when you're talking, um, you know, if, if, they bring up a digressive issue, it's okay to discuss that, but loop it back around and continue to go until you've been on track to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we already talked about watching the manner in which you speak, but but also then, you know, sometimes in the middle of while you're trying to resolve something with somebody, they'll bring up something and you'll think, dude, I offended them. Hmm. I need to own my stuff and, you know, it, it'll gain respect and some relational equity. If I realize, Hey, you know what? I did talk in that way, or I did make that smart remark, didn't I? And I was being sarcastic and meaning to be funny, but, but, you know, I'm sorry because I can clearly see how I offended you by that obnoxious comment. I made. By the way, you can tell from all that I get in a lot of, tr- I, in the past, I've gotten a lot of trouble stupid things i'd say 
<laughs> this is all this is all uh, hard-earned wisdom, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's been earned. <laughs> that's 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 you know what though that's sometimes that's the best teacher and it's the best wisdom to have and thankfully we can earn it and learn it from you uh, having gone before us. Yeah, thank you, Chad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do you have just a little bit more time just for one more question? Oh, I'd love it. Just, yeah. just, a, just a real quick, and I think we can maybe even end with this. Um, almost a little bit on the same vein as, as relational conflict and resolving that, but maybe in a different vein, because um, as most ministry leaders especially often find themselves uh, in a space, you can find yourselves um, – really in a position of mediating conflict between uh-huh. two, two individuals, two parties or whatever. So just maybe what are some, some thoughts or best practices maybe that you would pass along to those who would find themselves in the space of, and not necessarily counseling, because that's, that's a whole yeah. different thing, but at least trying to mediate and, and bring resolution to a conflict. When I go into a meeting with a mediator, could be a couple leaders, could be a husband and wife, um, you know, it could be between a, uh, parent and a child. Uh, when I go in to mediate, there's a couple ground rules that I establish right up front. Um, you know, and I'll go through a couple that might be some of the more common ones. Uh, but um, you know, I want the, you know, first of all, I want them to all agree to a goal that they want to resolve something. And if I see them doing things, then that just don't resolve. They only inflame. They're maybe even kind of getting back at or whatever. I'll, I'll call them on it because they agreed initially. And when at the upfront rules of mediation, um, you know that they agreed that they were there to resolve. And I might say to them, "I don't think that. Let's stop just a minute. You know, you're, does that resolve anything?" Hmm. And most people realize, whoops, I was really coming off in a way that was obnoxious. Uh, another thing um, that I do is I don't let people cut one another off. And, and I'll even tell them, I'll give you time to speak. And both of you will have time to speak into this. And, uh, you know, but don't cut one another off. So if in the middle of it, especially if they're family, and family can be you know, a brother and a sister or two brothers or a mom and, uh, you know, a child or something or a husband and wife, family will often revert back to their, the, their family of origin in the way they do things. So even in the middle of it, and, and I'll stop them. I'll say, hang on, I'm out for you guys. I said, um, I, I, I can tell this is what you do at home and, and this doesn't work. You're not going to cut people off. Let's go ahead and try. We're going to learn a new way in here, and that is you're going to listen to one another thoroughly. And and they can ask clarifying questions, and I'll tell them that up front. You can ask questions to clarify, but don't cut off. Hmm. Uh, and, and in fact, even some of the issues that we mentioned in resolving conflict might become some of my rules. Um, you know, where, uh, you know, you listen with your goals in mind, you speak with your goals in mind, and because you're trying to resolve the conflict. And then I let them talk. And again, and one of my issues might even be up front, own your stuff. Yeah, uh, that's good. You know, yeah. yeah. Does that help? That's very helpful. I, I have one. Um, I'm going into mediation right now. Um with with a friend who might be on a podcast, and I'm just kidding. We're not, that, this is, <laughs> you and Brett, yeah. yeah, no, no, we're we're good, we're good. I, I do I do want to point out how you didn't you never used him though as the example when it came to resolving yeah. conflict and things like that. So <laughs> apparently, I have another another bar I got to hit, and it's the Brenton <laughs> level. So <laughs> oh no, it's he's he's just shrugging. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners can't see that. Um, I know I know from the last time you were on, uh, you recommended a couple of books and I'm about three quarters of the way through Safe People. And I've learned more about myself as I read it and uh, and have work to do uh, again. 
Yeah, good. Well, yeah. I know that uh, I was just rereading chapters two, three, and four in Save People last week. Um, actually, uh, we taught on part of that at church. It was part of my message, you know, because as we have been reconciled with Christ, the Bible says we have the ministry of reconciliation. That's right. Yeah. And, and so I was thinking, okay, what are my hurdles <laughs> in my own life yeah. to reconciling yeah. with somebody? You know, mm-hmm. and so the, that's some of the practical stuff. But chapters two and three in Save People really look at some of those hurdles. I can distill those down to about seven, eight, or nine of them. But and then I like chapter four in there, Brenton, uh, which really helps us learn w- how we develop some of those. I'm going to call them bad habits, you know, of mm-hmm. defensiveness, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in- well, it just goes back to kind of what you talked about, just bringing up the, as even Brenton, you just mentioned, just the le- raising your own self-awareness so that you're able to, mm-hmm. to to make those adjustments to identify the false beliefs and the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of conversations. It's just, uh, man, you want to talk about growing as a leader. That, that's where it is. And that's great. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I would say to, you know, any of you who are youth leaders in your church or pastors and you're having trouble um, reach out and seek some help. And un- yeah. unfortunately, my schedule, like I'm booking April and May right now, um, and I'm full all the way up through that time. But my email is rbooth777 at aol.com. And, you know, if you have a need to talk, I, uh, you know, give myself over as a big brother to any of you that have need to work something through. But, Chad and Brenton would be my first call to. You. I mean, other words, they, well, you know what? I look for safe people for other people to talk with, and you guys are confidential. Um, you're non-judgmental. You don't get lost in the minutia of people's problems, and you're really about helping them get where they need to get. And it's me too. You know, I understand my own life struggles. I was not raised in a Christian home. Had a lot of baggage when I got saved. I thought the Lord took care of most of it in the first couple of weeks, but uh, apparently it's been a lifelong endeavor. And anyway, we invite other people to join us on the journey. Well, that is, yeah. that is high praise. Thank you so much, Robbie. And you know, man, what an incredible just resource you are to um, to the kingdom, really more than anything. And I'm just I'm so grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Brenton. Well, hey, Robbie, we have taken up more of your time, and uh, I think as we were even having the conversation before, we're going to try and get you on more routinely, maybe in the next season and everything. And so thank you for taking the time to be here with us today for an extended uh, interview, cut, whatever you want to call it, conversation. Uh, it's just been so great. Thank you. It's my privilege. I love you guys, and think of the youth leaders and pastors that, uh, and other staff members, children's leaders that listen to this and just know all three of us are here to bring you guys strength all right so you can probably hit the stop on the record just so we make sure we get it all uploaded